0: Good morning all, both here and online. This morning's sermon has been adapted by Pastor Richard for our reflection today. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, open our hearts, eyes and minds to see you in our lives and to see how you are at work among us, for us and through us. Amen. There are many strange things about God that from a human perspective we find it difficult to understand. Today we look at one of the well-known strange things or stories about God and what it means for us. This strange event, if you hadn't missed the theme already, is Jesus turning water into wine. This miracle happens at the beginning of his ministry Note that because we'll return to that point later. In the Gospel of Matthew, the first act of ministry performed by Jesus is the Sermon on the Mount. In Mark, it's an exorcism. In Luke, it's a sermon in the synagogue. But in John, Gospel of John, the first act of ministry performed by Jesus is that he turns water into wine. This miracle looks strange even in the context of John's Gospel. It is the beginning of a series of signs that Jesus performs. As we walk with Jesus in John, Jesus heals a paralysed person, feeds a crowd of 5,000, walks across water, heals a blind man, raises Lazarus from the dead, and washes his disciples' feet. All these signs have meaning, a meaning that is to lead us to trusting and following Jesus. But it is this first sign of Jesus turning water into wine that sounds a little odd. Why does Jesus start out his ministry supplying wine for a party? Why not do something, well, a little bit more significant? Well, let's start by reflecting on the wedding situation. We have here a first-century Jewish wedding in a village named Cana, just down the road from Nazareth. Weddings there were an even bigger deal than they are now. For one thing, they had little competition in terms of other, other big events. These folks didn't have sports teams, television, movie, movie theatres you know, and the like but they did have weddings. People looked forward to attending these weddings. Families would party hard and long at weddings. And a wedding wouldn't just last for a few hours. It went on for seven days, yes, seven days, and the entire community was was invited. Wine, of course, was essential to these weddings. People would drink steadily for enjoyment during the day-by-day celebrations. But, of course, we know there's a problem at the wedding that Jesus is attending. The young couple, just married, their, their wedding reception, their wedding celebrations are running out of wine in the middle of the feast. What a disappointment. What a disaster. Everybody will be talking about it. Fifty years from now, when they celebrate their golden anniversary, someone will no doubt whisper, I remember their wedding. They ran out of wine. Among the guests is Mary. It appears that she's a widow now and certainly no longer the young woman in the nativity story. She is there with Jesus and a group of his followers. Mary notices when the last wine jug is emptied and, like any good friend, wants to help the wedding party out to avoid a social disaster and a blot on their future So she brings the matter to Jesus' attention. Jesus seems to shrug off the matter, but Mary tells the wait staff to do whatever Jesus tells them to do. The moment is fast approaching when this joyous wedding celebration is about to descend into embarrassment and social disaster. So Jesus acts. He tells the wait staff to fill with water a half dozen big stone jars and drag them over to the banquet manager. Perhaps the wait staff are anxious over the sudden shortage of wine and willing to welcome a strange suggestion. Perhaps they think a big tip from this man's mother will soon be theirs. In any case, they fill up the jars, the size of small barrels, and roll them over to the wedding feast manager, who by this time is no doubt sweating profusely and wondering if he has a new career that he needs to pursue. Curious about what's in the jars... He takes a sip. It's wine. Really good wine. Not the sort that maybe we find bargain prices at Dan Murphy's, but the wine that appears at top Sydney restaurants on wine lists. This cane of vintage, only a few minutes old, is really, really good wine. And there's plenty of it. In fact, over 750 bottles of fine wine now exist that previously didn't. The banquet manager orders the wait staff to decant this wine and start filling glasses as though their lives depend on it. Breathing a deep sigh of relief, he bends over and speaks in the groom's ear, remarking how it's strange that he's saved the best wine until so late in the the game. But the groom barely hears him. The room is ringing with the sound of silverware, tapping against glasses, maybe dancing, as we saw and it's on with the celebrations. It's an odd way to launch a ministry, or is it? First, Jesus does what is an act of compassion, meeting the needs of people where they are. Also, it says something about the significance of marriage in the eyes of God. Throughout the Old and New Testament, we see marriage frequently being used as the picture of God's relationship with us. And when someone gets married, by, you know, in our church, we say, God established marriage as the basis of family life and for the well being of society. But something more is going on here something that concerns everybody, not just the married amongst us or those in need of immediate help. John's Gospel speaks of this episode as a sign and one in a series of signs that highlight something about Jesus. When we look at the wedding episode or any of the other signs in the Gospel of John, what stands out is that some people understand their significance and some people don't. And isn't that true today? When some people experience the love of God, some people get it and others don't. So let's assess the cast of characters at the wedding reception. Mary and the disciples and the wait staff apparently catch on to the wonder of water changed into wine. On the other hand, the wedding feast manager, the groom and his bride, and most of the guests apparently don't have a clue what's going on. Yet the wine is there for them as well as the others. This story reveals a secret about life and living. Miracles happen. In fact, miracles are happening all the time. Signs of Jesus at work appear all around us every day. They happen whether or not we acknowledge them. They benefit us whether or not we notice them. Yet it's a joy to see these signs for what they are and even more importantly believe Jesus whom they point to Many people have difficulties with miracles, especially today, as they want to explain or dismiss them. And if they can explain them, well, then they think God is not needed or does not exist. However, there are many miracles and signs occurring every day. So believing in miracles should not be a problem for us. Rather, miracles should be something we marvel at, We appreciate and most importantly we ask, what are they saying about God? Francis Collins, a physician geneticist, discovered the genes associated with a number of diseases. After being an atheist for many years, he converted to Christianity. His conversion partly happened because of seeing the difference that faith made to people who were suffering. For him, this was a miracle and something worth exploring. He then began to see how science was not in opposition to belief in God, but indeed part of believing in God. St. Augustine, when preaching about today's gospel, says, He who made the wine that day at the marriage feast does every year in vines. But we do not wonder at the latter because it happens every year. It has lost its marvel by its constant occurrence. St Basil says, all the objects in the world are an invitation to faith, not unbelief. Perhaps the Cainter story appears first in the Gospel of John because in reality the world is a kind of wedding celebration. Here, Jesus transforms the water of ordinariness, of being ordinary, into the wine of miracles. All benefit from those transformations, though some know the cause of them and will thank God for them and others won't. To share our faith means this, letting others know that signs are abundant and Christ is the one to whom they point, thinking about the blessings in our lives and thinking how they point to Jesus. So Cana continues. It continues not simply here in this place we call church or worship, but also when we leave here to encounter Christ active and throughout the world we move in. Here's an example. So Maxine had left church one Sunday and realised she needed some petrol. She headed to the nearest service station. After filling up her car, she went to pay for the petrol and noticed the young man behind the counter who was serving her with a forced smile, but with tears in his eyes. Maxine took the time to ask the man, are you all right? The young man then shared his story, a likely current scenario. He had just found out that his mother had died but because of border restrictions, it was unlikely he would be able to go home. He had only recently moved to the area, so knew next to no one. Maxine asked him what time he finished work and if he would like to come to her place for a meal. The young man was grateful, saying, I was praying to God about what to do, and then he does this, he brings you into my life. And you showed me that God really does care. Thank you for being one of God's miracles. Maxine didn't think she did much. And perhaps she didn't. Yet God was and is at work in our ordinary daily situations, bringing his miracles of grace and care. Christ is at work changing the ordinary that wearies us into the wonder that renews us and brings us joy and hope. Let's take some time then to consider today everything that happens in our lives. In reality, everything we experience is a miracle from God. And let us think about what these miracles are saying about Jesus, about you and to you and me and to everyone. You see, when we look at the miracle of Cana, we see God is prepared to go out of his way to give us the best life, give it to us in abundance and a life that will be the most joyful at the end, not because we've earned it or we earn it, but because he cares for us. So let's all take some time to reflect on the miracles in our lives and think about what they relieve what they reveal about God and Jesus. As C. S. Lewis says of miracles in his book called Miracles, the central miracle asserted by Christians is the incarnation. They say that God became human. Every other miracle prepares the way for this or results from this. May you recognize that God is behind every miracle in your life, regardless of whether the miracle is explainable or not. May the blessings in your life reveal more about Jesus to you and his plans for you. Amen.